Hello, and welcome to the Astrology Witch Podcast. I'm your host, Tiana, and today we will be discussing several of the most common and important asteroids in astrology and what they might indicate in a natal chart or transit. Keep in mind that I don't use asteroids very often in my practice, and I'm by no means an expert of asteroids within astrology. I hope that this can hopefully serve as like a starting or kicking off point for you if you are interested in learning about asteroids in astrology, and then you can expand your studies from here. All right, so let's start at the beginning. What are asteroids and what do they signify within astrology? So interestingly enough, some of these asteroids or what are considered asteroids, some aren't even asteroids, they're like dwarf planets, or maybe they were first considered asteroids, but anyway, I digress. So asteroids are small space rocks (laughs) that orbit the sun, essentially, similar to how planets do, but they're a lot smaller than planets. And in astrology, asteroids are not harbingers of doom. They're not anything to really be worried about. They're just something that can emphasize, especially if they're, uh, you know, next to a personal planet. Um, They're just considered additional celestial bodies, which add more detail and dimension to an individual natal chart or transit. And honestly, there are millions of asteroids floating through our solar system, but the majority sit in what we call the asteroid belt, which is located in between Mars and Jupiter. It's actually Jupiter that protects us here on Earth from the thousands of asteroids crashing into us. So it like prevents all of those asteroids from, uh, you know, wreaking havoc in our lives. So thanks, Jupiter. Uh, Most asteroids were discovered in relatively modern times. The first ones in in the 1800s were Ceres, Pallas, or Pallas, Athena, Juno, and Vesta. And we'll discuss those in a minute. But essentially, their namesakes can give you some indication of what their significance significators are within astrology so let's discuss that and as an aside asteroids are most relevant when they're conjunct personal planets otherwise they don't really seem to be as important that's my personal take uh but do with you do what you will with that opinion um in most cases that i've read about um and seen in charts most of the time these asteroids really become important when they're conjunct a personal planet or they're in a major aspect with a personal planet and they can underscore energies in that way. Okay, so let's get started. So the first asteroid I want to talk about is Ceres. Ceres was known as the Roman goddess of harvest. She's the equivalent of Demeter, uh, the Greek goddess of harvest or agricultural agriculture, my goodness, fertility, the environment, and motherhood. And she's connected with the cycles of life and death, abundant and scarcity. Ceres is considered a major asteroid in astrology, but is technically a dwarf planet in the sky. And in a chart, Ceres can indicate topics regarding self-care, emotional nurture and protection, like for yourself and others, mostly like your loved ones and even like your children or your family. It's ruling over things like motherly love and mothering nature, reproductive issues, single parents, working mothers, and independent single women. Um, And it reveals how we nurture our loved ones and ourselves as well as our protective instincts. So that's Ceres. The next one is Pallas or Pallas Athena. You'll hear her referred to in both of those ways. Uh, So Pallas, also known as Pallas Athena, 
embodies the fair-minded, strategic, justice-oriented mindset shared by her namesake in Greek mythology, who is the goddess of truth and wisdom, courage, noble warfare, strategy, skill, creative intelligence, and also this like father-daughter relationship because Athena was considered like one of Zeus's, if not Zeus's absolute favorite daughter. Um, in a chart, Pallas or Pallas Athena can indicate where we should exercise strategic intelligence, such as like negotiating or diplomacy, especially in times of war or in like government situations uh, where we should call on our wisdom and fight noble causes for justice. Pallas can reveal how we reason and focus on rational intellect, as well as our relationship with men and our father broadly and or like our relationship with our father or like father figures it can also be helpful when planning anything in our lives to look for guidance with palace or palace athena okay next up is juno juno is probably like one of the more talked about asteroids that you hear people mentioning especially in relational astrology when we talk about compatibility and romantic partners because juno typically represents the romantic partner juno was jupiter's wife in roman uh romantic jesus in roman mythology so she's the roman equivalent to the greek goddess hera who ruled over things like marriage and commitment uh typically represents marriage or the marriage partner within a chart it also represents what kind of partner we typically want or how we act within our romantic relationships ourselves and in a chart, Juno can indicate our relationship values, how committed and loyal we are, uh, our abilities to cooperate or cause issues within our relationships, and our hidden needs and wants from romantic partners. It also highlights how we handle relationship conflict, especially things like infidelity, uh, specifically because like the myth of Juno and Jupiter or Zeus and Hera really highlight kind of like the philandering husband so there's like a lot of themes of infidelity and adultery uh that come up when we talk about them in myths so that's kind of why this uh asteroid juno uh has those significators okay so then we're talking about eros eros is the asteroid which deals with romance and dating and just like eros or the greek version cupid eros uh often represents love and sexual desire and romantic love and you know in a chart it shows us our sexual energy and our romantic style and preference and method of seduction like how we want to be courted or wooed and like what would really you know uh make us feel the most romanticized and in terms of like lust and seduction and like the dating phase the honeymoon phase of things really is like the eros energy Next up, we're going to talk about Vesta. Vesta, or uh, Hestia in Greek mythology, rules the hearth and home. And this asteroid in a chart really relates to our approach to home um, and also like our noblest potential, how we build and care for our home, self-respect and dignity, and self-sacrificing nature. Like what causes or prompts us to give up the most or sacrifice the most for the betterment of others? Because that's something that Vesta uh, mythologically is like capable of. It's like giving up everything for our children or sacrificing a lot for our family or you know, doing everything it takes to keep our home and, and uh, family safe and together. Okay, the next one is Chiron, and we've discussed Chiron many times before. It's another asteroid that people really reference a lot more often than some of the other ones, 
and I even have an uh, an entire episode dedicated to Chiron, which if you're interested in, you haven't heard yet, I recommend you check that out. But the TLDR is that Chiron, known as the wounded healer, reveals our deepest core wounds and how we triumph over our most painful experiences within a chart. In Greek mythology, Chiron is an immortal centaur, and he's like a child of rape. He's abandoned by both parents. He's raised by Apollo and shot with an arrow that created this wound that just would not heal. And through suffering, Chiron is like on this mount, living on this mountaintop, gaining sage wisdom and like becoming a teacher and a prophet. And he's an astrologer and helps others to heal and find spiritual wisdom within their deepest pain. And Chiron helps us to heal ourselves and others by making us aware of our wounds so we can work through ways to overcome uh, how they're harming and holding us back in life. That's kind of what Chiron is about. But if you want to know more, again, check out the full episode I've done in a previous season on the podcast. If you haven't heard that yet, it's a great one. It's really helpful and it will uh, walk you through all the Chiron, the signs through Chiron. The next one is another one I've done an episode on. It's called the Black Moon Lilith or just Lilith. And uh, I've done, again, an entire episode on this. So if you want to know, if you could calculate your sign, your Lilith sign on the internet, you can listen to that episode and get the significators for your Black Lilith Moon sign. And um, sorry, Black Moon Lilith sign. And also like what it indicates and what it really is dealing with. But again, Lilith is not technically an asteroid at all, but you'll know this if you listen to the episode about her. Um, if not, go listen. There's a lot of information that's great in that episode. But the TLDR, again, is that Black Moon Lilith, or just Lilith, is a point along the moon's orbital path, which lies at the point farthest from Earth. It's like in the shadow, considered in the darkness of the moon. Um, it's considered the dark side of the moon, or the dark side of your psyche in some ways. And in Hebrew mythology, Lilith was Adam's first wife. Um, and there's like so many debates about whether or not she even existed. Because uh, she only exists within Hebrew mythology and there's so many different stories. But she's basically like a sexually free and empowered woman. And she doesn't want to submit and like uh, be subservient to Adam. And like there's this whole story about how like they're, you know, he wants to only do missionary. He wants to be on top. Like I know it's getting really kind of TMI really quickly. But and she's like, no, she doesn't want to do that. So, you know, in some stories, she'd like rather be in hell than submit to him. And others, she just leaves. And there's various endings, which is all very fascinating. But um, that's kind of the energy we're dealing with when it comes to Lilith or Black Moon Lilith. And at any rate, Lilith in a chart represents how we feel slighted, our inner subconscious bitch, uh, you know, a reflexive reaction when people piss us off. That aspect of us that feels crossed by others and wants to clap back like real hard. It can indicate our sexual freedom or lack thereof and where we kind of obsess or feel our raw inner desires and reveal how we reject traditional norms in favor of our own freedom and desire. Okay, the next one is Icarus. In Greek mythology, Icarus' father is a master craftsman known as Daedalus. And they're, they live in Athens. But the TLDR is both Icarus and his father end up imprisoned in the labyrinth, uh, in King Minos' labyrinth, like with the Minotaur. And in order to escape, Icarus' father makes wings with feathers and beeswax for them both to escape. But he warns Icarus, like, take the middle way through the sky. If you fly too high or too low, the sun is going to, like, light your ass on fire or you're going to fall. Um, 
So unfortunately, Icarus either gets like too excited or too curious during the flight and flies much too close to the sun and the beeswax melts, which is holding his wings together and cause the wings to fall off and Icarus falls into the sea and drowns. So as an asteroid, Icarus is really about a balanced approach as opposed to being really too extreme, you know, take the middle path. In a chart, it can indicate learning self-control in areas where we want to be really uninhibited or we have a low tolerance to restrictions. Uh, It can sometimes indicate where we ignore our own better judgment, where we need to take the advice of other people and ask them for help so that we don't go to these extremes, where we experience intense inspiration or where we crave liberation and qualities we might need to develop in order to take calculated smart risks without going too much into the extremes. Okay, the next one is Hygieia. I've heard this mentioned by a few astrologers, but it seems less so uh, unless they're regularly mentioning asteroids within their transit readings, then like they usually won't mention it at all. And so this is Hygieia. Hygieia is considered the asteroid of like cleanliness, sanitation, hygiene, and wellness broadly. In Greek and Roman mythology, Hygieia was the daughter of Asclepius, Asclepius, uh, the god of medicine, uh, and like his symbol is actually still the symbol of hospitals. And she was one of five sisters who all represent some aspect of like health and healing and wellness. Um, Hygieia herself reigned over the realm of like preventative medicine. And so Hygieia can reveal how we attempt to prevent illness. And typically we do that through a strong health and wellness routine through self-care, mental health care practices like meditation, and the small things that we do each day to prevent sickness, which is like things like getting enough sleep and rest, having a healthy diet, and exercising regularly, and other elements which can really improve our health and prevent illness. So uh, the word hygiene comes from hygiea, and in a chart, it can help us to develop a sound wellness routine to avoid illness, and it's particularly helpful to see whether diseases, self-awareness, or even hypochondria manifest in someone's life based on having Hygieia like conjunct some of their planets or underscoring other issues they might have. That can be a thing. But for those who work in healing and hygienic industries, such as like dentistry, uh, esthetician work, personal training and physical fitness, physical therapy, or other holistic healing methods, Hygieia can often be seen in a strong position within the chart as well. The next one is Urania or Orania. In Greek mythology, Orania was one of the nine muses and the goddess of astronomy and astrology. Back then, astronomy was like the same thing as astrology. So you'll see people say she's a goddess of astronomy, but they mean also astrology as well in the context of that time. She was the eldest daughter of Zeus and Nemesine? Nemesine? I don't know how to say it. It's like hella Greek. And the granddaughter of Ornos or Uranus. She's associated with universal love, the stars, poetry, the liberal arts, mathematics, universal language or symbolic language, music of the spheres, and abstract and theoretical studies. In a chart, Arania can often indicate someone who will become an astrologer. Like a lot of astrologers have Arania like conjunct their sun or conjunct many different planets or in the 10th house uh, or the second house, those inspired or the sixth house. Uh, Those inspired through science and mathematics will also have strong significators often with Urania. Musical composers or theorists, poetics, uh, poet people, 
uh, although like anyone with a poetic imagination, anyone who's really interested in symbolic language, uh, and also like people who have the ability to find meaning in the stars or in symbols or the ability to foretell the future using astrology. Like sometimes this is someone who's psychic or uh, someone who, you know, is able to take a lot of data and make sense of it. It can emphasize other planets in the chart, as I said, making someone infused with deep intuition or grand imagination or the ability to compile data into coherent theories and predictions. Like somebody who works in, I don't know, space with NASA or something like that could be a thing. Okay, the next asteroid is Hecate. In Greek mythology, Hecate is the goddess associated with the crossroads, liminal spaces such as portals and passageways, the night, the moon, necromancy, poison and herbs, dogs, divination, keeper of keys, the goddess of the underworld, witchcraft, and so much more. Uh, in a chart, her corresponding asteroid signifies a skill with divination such as psychics or tarot readers. An herbalist who has an affinity with plants and herbs, someone who likes to experiment with mind-altering substances, like not necessarily someone who's an addict, but more so somebody who maybe like is really into psychedelics, uh, a counselor or a psychologist, someone with strong intuition, those interested in witchcraft and magic, those who work in marketing and are really good at predicting trends, or even those who work in like stocks and the financial markets and who are good at predicting trends. Uh, anyone who's like really has a great intuition for predicting things broadly, uh, even someone who doesn't have many relationships, but instead just like a bunch of dogs because Hikate is the, uh, she's known as like the goddess of dogs or like she has like an association with black dogs. Typically, um, Hikate may even help a person navigate difficult challenges and transform their lives because she's known as a transformational goddess as well. Um, she's also known as the one who always comes when called, and so therefore she has like a million different significators. Okay, then we're going to talk about Pandora. In Greek mythology, Pandora was the first human woman created by he Hephaestus. Hephaestus, um, basically at the uh, behest of Zeus. And each god was said to, and goddess was said to have contributed really lovely and unique gifts to her, including beauty and cleverness. And Zeus gave her a jar. He's sort of trying to get revenge on uh, mankind and on Prometheus for giving fire to mankind, just as a context and like preface to this myth. And so Zeus gives her this jar as a wedding gift, which when she opens it, releases like all these evil spirits or evils into the world and onto mankind. And the only thing remaining in the box or jar uh, is hope or elpis. And uh, it's a single blessing to ease mankind's suffering. Sort of considered Zeus's mercy. I don't know, it's really twisted. Uh, and Pandora literally means all gifted or all giving in Greek. And some astrologers will make the argument that, you know, Pandora isn't so much about Pandora herself. It's more about how people react to her because she was very beautiful and like magnetic. And, uh, and part of the myth is that she ends up becoming the bride of uh, Prometheus' brother, whose name escapes me. But, uh, you know, it, it's, it's like pe she has this effect on people, mostly men, uh, for the myth of the times, very gender binary, but mostly men are just like affected by seeing her and that effect is sort of where we get these significators for Pandora. Uh, 
And much like the myth, you know, Pandora's asteroid indicates skills or attributes which we have, which can sort of be both blessings and curses. It can be situations we're blessed with that could be our downfall if we're not careful. Like perhaps we have curiosity that we can't rein in, you know, and that leads us to excess or pushing things too far. Uh, Pandora might tell us how we get into trouble because of our actions due to curiosity or pushing our luck too far and or like when things might be too good to be true or otherwise have unexpected consequences and in a chart it may be helpful to know our situation so we can learn to exercise control and discipline over our impulses and prevent ourselves from you know catastrophe and the last asteroid I want to talk about quickly is Bacchus. In Greek mythology, Bacchus, also known as Dionysus in Roman mythology, was the god of wine, fertility, partying, ecstasy, and even madness. As an astrological asteroid, Bacchus can indicate mayhem, mischief, a wild streak, and a distaste for rules. In a person's chart, it might signify indulgence, hedonistic tendencies, self-absorption, and specifically how we like let go or go wild or get lost and like where we go to get lost or where we go to let go and how we get in touch with our inner primal self. It can tell us whether a person is extremely creative, a strong performer or artist or entertainer, um, somebody who does like great performance art or live performances of any kind. Somebody also with maybe abuse or addiction troubles too because we're going to this like extreme partying, need for ecstasy place with Bacchus. Uh, Or simply somebody who likes to let loose and get a little wild from time to time. So those are the asteroids I wanted to highlight because those were the ones that I found most interesting and also that are the most common when you look them up. So uh, those will be the easiest to find information on. Uh, I also have a list here I'm going to read off to you related to specific areas. So if you want to like really dig deep into this, you can kind of have a starting off point. So here are some asteroids which are related to fame and I'll give you the different kind of indicators for each one. Um, So these are asteroids related to fame. So there's Narcissus uh, related to vanity and attractiveness, Apollo, attractiveness and worship, Glow, Shine and Glow, Fama or Fama, it's literally related to fame, Aphrodite, sexual attractiveness. There's a an asteroid called Actor, which relates to abilities in acting. Arachne, boastful talent. Talent, overall talent. Uh, Tyke or Tyche, good luck. Uh, Euterpe, the muse of music. Talia, the muse of comedy. And these are, next up are the asteroids related to attractiveness, um, and it's a more masculine energy, supposedly, is Narcissus, vanity and attractiveness. Also, when I say masculine energy, I don't necessarily mean like it has, you have to be a man or identify as a man. Like it's just a more aggressive type of uh, energy. And also masculine energy has a specific uh, interpretation in astrology. So I don't necessarily, I'm not really referring to gender binaries at all. Okay. Uh, yeah. Narcissus, vanity and attractiveness. Also Apollo, attractiveness and worship. Uh, glow is for shining glow. There's also Adonis, strength. Uh, also Adonis was like known to be like really packing. So, you know, like that kind of sexual energy as well. Casanova, charm. Uh, Charis or yeah, Charis, uh, charisma which is where the word charisma comes from. 
Eros, sexual desire. Zeus, sexual power. Aphrodite, sexual attractiveness. And Adam's masculinity. And then we have asteroids dedicated to, or sorry, related to attractiveness. And this is feminine energy, so slightly different. Um, it, and it is, okay, in this case, these interpretations slightly more gender binaried, um, even though the feminine energy really as a, an energetic flow in astrology is not really related to gender at all. It's related to kind of vibe. Uh, and, and there's a specific, like, base to that if you want to read more up on that. Or if you want me to do an episode on it, let me know. But anyway, uh, okay, so asteroids related to attractiveness but feminine energy. And this, honestly, it's sort of, like, rooted in the patriarchal nature of Greek society, in my opinion. Uh, but, yeah, and Roman society. But, okay, so we have Hera, feminine maturity. You know, she's the goddess of marriage and being a wife, basically. Uh, glow, shine and glow, Aphrodite, sexual attractiveness, Juno, marriage material, uh, nymph, ageless beauty, Eros, sexual desire, psyche, beauty and grace, uh, serene or sirene, dangerous beauty, Bella, beauty, Ava, femininity. And then we have finally asteroids related to talents in astrology, which I thought you all might be interested in since you're listening to an astrology podcast and maybe you want to know if you have some of these significators in your chart. Uh, We have Circe, which is the magic, you know, it's related to magic and witches. Circe was a witch in mythology. Sappho, incredible mind, also like poetry and writing. Uh, Alma, the soul. Cassandra, cursed foresight because she was a prophetess in mythology. Pythia, divination. Calliope, the muse of epic poetry and astrology. Uh, Celio, the muse of history. Melita, the muse of meditation. Orania, which we already talked about earlier, the muse of astrology and astronomy. And in which case, historically, uh, one mentioning the other really meant both. Uh, Minerva, the goddess of wisdom, uh, an asteroid represents wisdom, and Pallas Athena, wisdom. So that is pretty much the extent of asteroids I wanted to share with you today. I know some people are kind of like getting more interested in asteroids, I noticed, and mentioning it a little bit more. And this is something that you can either like not really be involved with if you're not interested in it completely ignore it there are astrologers who don't work with them at all and then there are astrologers who love working with them and talk about them all the time and you know have them within their readings and and really observe them within the sky so it's completely up to you whether you want to include it in your practice but I thought it's worth mentioning since you know you should know everything that's available to you Uh, If you want to learn more about spiritually healing and transforming your life using astrology and magic, then you should enroll in my course, which is now actually available on my Patreon. It's only available on the top tier, which is called the Star Membership. Um, It's extremely cheap at this point if you join through Patreon. um, And a new module comes out every month, so you won't get it all at once. That's sort of like the only drawback of getting it on Patreon is that you can get, um, you'll only get one module per per month, but you will get the entire course over the next year, basically. Um, And it'll be rolling out like once a month so you can work on it. And yeah, you can roll on my Patreon. The link is in the description. There's only 20 spots available. I'm really keeping it limited, at least for the first year. So that way 
uh, you know, people can have a little bit of access to me, but I'm not completely overwhelmed. So by all means, definitely join if you're interested in enrolling in the course, but you haven't been able to due to price. This is like an insanely cheap way that you'll be able to access the course as well as everything else I have on Patreon, which includes like monthly uh, forecasts for the uh, new and full moons, also monthly planetary movements uh, and transits monthly transit audios, uh, lots of spiritual and witchcraft things, including pathworking, since you'll be at the top tier membership. So check that out if you're interested in doing that. I would love to see you over there. And thank you so much for listening. I hope you found this episode helpful. I know it's a little bit on the shorter side, but really asteroids is like a complete minefield and there's so many of them. Uh, so I wanted to focus on the ones that I thought you could find most helpful and easiest to get information on. Some of these are actually not super easy to get information on, and a lot of them are definitely rooted in mythology, and there's Greek and Roman versions, and it's a little more convoluted in my opinion than, you know, baseline astrology. But if it is something that is interesting to you and you want to learn more about, then hopefully this gives you a really good uh, kicking off point or, you know, baseline of where to start. So thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Uh, and again, if you're interested in joining my Patreon, there are multiple tiers where you can get multiple information, including if you're on the lowest tier, uh, you can get access to ad-free early access uh, podcast episodes over on Patreon. So you never miss an episode and you don't have to listen to ads and all that. Okay. Thanks so much for listening and I will see you next time. Bye.